The Gospel according to St. Luke, the 24th chapter. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. He took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Here ends our gospel lesson. Please bow your heads with me for a word of prayer. Father God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our salvation. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. Spirit of God, fall fresh on us today. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. The importance, this, this gospel lesson, this account of the resurrection of Jesus is very important for the church today, here today. I, we began talking about this in the Bible study this morning, but it is vitally important because one of the most important things that Jesus imparts to his disciples is when they look at him, when they see him in his resurrected state, the amazing, I mean, and I just love that what I love about the Holy Scriptures is that they are so they're, they just speak of, uh, truthfully. I mean, in the sense, you know, it wasn't, it's not written, and then Jesus appeared to the disciples, and they immediately believed him, and they went out, and they, you know, they did everything that they were supposed to do without a hitch or hesitation. They were perfect, um, and everything, we all lived happily ever after. That's not what the Scriptures say. What the Scriptures testify is that the disciples had grave doubts. And, and they wondered what they should believe. And they wondered who Jesus was. And they wondered what was going on. And yet, you know, there's Jesus in the middle of their unbelief. He stands in the middle of their unbelief and comforts them and shows them, like, don't you get it? Really? You don't get it? I mean, all this time, the whole time I'm with you, I'm talking to you about the Old Testament. I'm talking to you about the scriptures that were passed down from Moses and, 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 and Joshua and, and on and on and on and on. I'm ta- that's what I'm talking about. That all testified to me about me. And I know you don't get it. And I know you don't understand. And I know you're not theologians. 
I know you didn't go to Lutheran Theological Seminary. So I have to open your mind. You know, I have to open your mind. I've got to give you the eyes to see. I've got to remove those little lines so that you can see the truth, so that you can be my people. I mean, that's the most... I remember I had an exit interview from... I mean, that's the best way to describe it. When you graduate from seminary and you've got a call, like I did, to hear, and, and they do this exit interview, and they say, so, Ed... I remember one professor in the exit interview asking me, what would you say was the most important thing you learned in seminary? And I said, you know what the most important thing I learned in seminary? It is that I am saved by grace through faith and not through my own works. That really, I am saved by grace and through faith that God gives me. Because when I came and studied in seminary and I took the historical critical method, then, and you look at, you, you eviscerate the scriptures. You apply literary criticism, textual criticism, redaction criticism, historical criticism, and criticism criticism. <laughs> at the end of it, you've eviscerated this text and you don't know what in the world you have anymore. But you know what? In the end, Jesus says, you have to have faith and believe. You don't believe because a text critic tells you it's true. You believe it's true because God opens up your mind. Now, a good thing I had a call and because maybe they wouldn't have let me graduate after that. I have no idea. But, but seriously, that's what it taught me is that, you see, we have this idea in North America because we're Greeks and Romans by nature that we have to build faith as a mental discipline. And that's completely wrong. That's not Hebraic. That's not Jewish or Christian. Faith is a gift from God. Faith opens up the scriptures to you. Faith, make, you know, it's like, can you see that even in the psalm? Like, I love that psalm that Zach wrote, uh, wrote read. <laughs> you didn't write it. <laughs> right? Because your name's not David or, you know, anyways. But you read it. It's beautiful because what it says is that God knows what's going on in my mind. And very often, you know, as he was reading that, I thought, you know, God, I'm sure there's lots of thoughts like 99% of mine that you don't like. But yet God knows what I'm thinking. And I am amazed that God continues to love me given all that I think. That psalm to me, it just says, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know. Why? Because the Bible tells me so. I mean, you know, it, it, that is, it's great comfort. And, and it's God working in my mind. It's the finger of God adjusting the clay in my mind. That's what I want. Not my own knowledge, not, not you know... You know, I, I mean, I joke all the time. I think everyone here is entitled to my opinion, right? That's kind of, you know, that's a human attitude, right? But what we want to say is, God, it's not my opinion that counts. It's not my attitude that counts. But what counts is that we have your attitude, that we have your opinion, that our lives and our minds are shaped in a way that is pleasing to you. You are the potter. We are the clay. Mold us, God. Mold us. 
We're blind, give us sight. We're deaf, we give us hearing. We're, we're paralyzed, we can't walk. All of these things, I mean, God, God gives them to us. That's what's important. That's the gospel. That's what, that's what Jesus is saying, that, that when you come to understand who he is, he opens your mind up. You know, it happened. I mean, this is amazing. It happened on Wednesday. We had the men's prayer group, and Ken Campbell, you probably hope you remember this, Ken. You remember this. He said, you know, Pastor, one thing that's always bugged me is, you know, when Jesus is on the cross and he goes, uh, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my, my God, my God, where are you? Right? And you said, I never understood that. Why did he say it? Did he really feel alone? And it was like, great, Ken. Thanks for giving me advanced warning, you know, for this question. It's really a difficult question. I said, but you know what? Here's the thing. I said, yes, Jesus was alone. See, he had to die alone for our sins. And that was an expression of his aloneness. But Jesus would say, everything I did was said in the scriptures. And so I turned to Psalm 22, right? And in Psalm 22, it starts out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then when we read through the psalm, and you could see the lights just going on, boom, boom. Oh, yeah, you're right. They pierced him. Right, you're, you're right. Um, that they, they gambled over his garments, and, and, and so on and so forth. And so you see how, how God at that moment opened up at least Ken's mind and possibly mine to see in the Old Testament scriptures that everything that happened to Jesus, everything at the crucifixion was in the scripture, that there, the, these prophets had been speaking them, and a community of faith was speaking these words daily for centuries, and finally they came to pass in Jesus. And he is the ultimate interpretation of that text. And his resurrection from the dead is the ultimate seal of approval. And that's why we can trust it. And that's why God opens our minds to see it. And you know, the tragedy is that a lot of people don't. They don't see it. But just say, God, I want to see it. I want you to open my mind. I want to see Jesus in the Old Testament. I want to see Jesus in my life. You know, every miracle that Jesus performed, was the Old Testament said it was going to happen. He was going to give sight to the blind, the, the lame would walk, the deaf would hear, um, the, the good news would be preached, demons would be uh, cast out, leprous disease would be healed. I mean, the Old Testament said this was all going to happen. The dead would be raised. They said, it, it, it was, it's there. It's there. And, and, the, and, and it happened, and Jesus did it. He was the suffering servant. He's the Paschal Lamb. He's all those things. It's all there. And, and what Jesus wants to do is open our minds to it so that we see it clearer instead of doubting it. Because I'll tell you what, the text-critical approach to scriptural 
to the scripture is not going to help you in a crisis. It's not. It's not going to help you when you're depressed, when you have anxiety, when you have all these things. It doesn't. Jesus as a great teacher is not very helpful. I mean, I cannot think of a time that Socrates allayed my fears. You know, the Greek philosopher. But Jesus Christ does it for me every day. It's important. Those old tests, those prophets, and the faith that they had to say these words in a world that said, you're crazy. What do you mean a suffering servant? What do you mean some, one guy can die for another guy? What do you mean? You people are crazy. But yet they said it. And even their own people, it, like Isaiah and Jeremiah, I mean, Jeremiah, like they throw him down a well, right? He gets kidnapped. He's taken all over the place. But yet this poor guy, he keeps prophesying for God. We want to be like him. Really believe. Really think that God can work in our lives. But we have to have the Old Testament opened up to us. Jesus has got to show us, there I am, and over there. You know, like you read through it. You just read through this, you know, there I am, and there I am, and over here, back here, right in the beginning. See in Genesis, after the fall of man, um, right here, it says, uh, uh, cursed be the ground, but from, uh, but, um, from you uh, is going to come one that's going to be, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. There's Jesus right back there. Second chapter or third chapter. There he is. Do you see it? I do. Because God's opened my mind. That's why we need to study the Old Testament. And you know, the amazing thing about this is, sometimes you think, okay, what's the deal? What's so important about that? Because you know what? If you remove Jesus from the Old Testament and put him over here, then guess what you can do to Jesus? You can make Jesus whoever you want him to be. That's pretty scary. Then Jesus can be whoever you want him to be. You can use him to say he's just in another line of prophets. We all believe in the same God. And Jesus is just a guy. So if you, you feel like Buddha this week, go for it. Muhammad next week, go for it. You know, mix and match. Right? So you get a pants and a shirt, and you can mix and match. But if Jesus is in the Old Testament, and we see this is the Word of God, then who He was, who He is, and who He will be, that's what we can have faith in. We can have faith. And you know, the Old Testament too, God said there's sin in the world. And when I wrote the law, I exposed it. And I don't like it. In fact, God says, I hate it. And I give you a way out of it. I give you forgiveness for the sins you've broken. And I give you the spirit 
so you can live a life that transcends it. That's what I love about Jesus. He shows me what's wrong and what's right, forgive me, forgives me for what's wrong, and helps me to do the right. Again, I love this song. You know, Jesus Loves Me. Uh, one of the things, um, uh, uh, choruses, because we all know uh, the, the first one, but it's, uh, and I used to teach this to the, uh, and still teach it to kids, is Jesus loves me when I'm good, when I do the things I should. Jesus loves me when I'm bad, though it makes him very sad. Yes, Jesus loves me. And then he gives me the, power to be good. I love it. But that's a Jesus who's anchored in the Old Testament because it tells me what's bad, it tells me what's good, and it deals with the consequences. Mohammed hasn't done that. Buddha hasn't done that. Nobody's done that. But Jesus has done that. Amen.